Hey guys. Hey Nate. Podcasting is a visual medium. There was a lot of <laughs> <laughs> smiling and head nodding there. Yeah. yeah. How you guys doing? <laughs> guys, I I feel like shit. I'll be honest. I want to start out the podcast. I don't have COVID. Uh, no one in my family has COVID. But man, this cold is kind of kicking my ass. And I don't know where we got it from, which is even scarier. I, I think I think Olivia Olivia and Samantha won like free tickets to the zoo, and they went to the zoo last week. But I think they may have picked it up there. But oh man, I haven't been sick in a long time because Olivia hasn't been in daycare, so she's not bringing home all the nasty crap from all the kids. So it's been a good almost nine months of not being sick. So it, it's it's kind of taken us out a little bit. Luckily, we have a wedding this weekend. My brother's getting married in Savannah. So it'll be nice to drive those five hours uh, to Savannah with a, with a stuffed nose, and it'll be great. Welcome to the Blue Mountain Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Alongside me, as always, Seth Varnador with a fresh cut that you guys are going to want to see. He looks fantastic. Oh, thank you. Robert Steve is you know, around. And our beautiful podcast producer, Anthony Vito. Uh, how are you guys doing? How, how was your bye week, Seth? It was great. It was pretty much the same as every other week. And just watched football, except this week we had, uh, we had the Halloween thrown in. So we didn't get to watch as much football as normal, actually. So a lot of uh, getting ready and taking pictures and wearing costumes. Your, your family does the, the – everyone's kind of the same – like group of people, right? What'd you guys go as this year? We went as Hocus Pocus characters. My wife and two daughters were the witches. Uh, my son was Thackeray Binks, the black cat. Of course. And I was, uh, what's the name? Max. I just Max. said we're like a long sleeve blue shirt and jeans and a hat. So that was, that was easy for me. Very nice. Everybody Excellent. else was pretty involved. Yeah. So very nice. Hear it. How did you guys go trick or treating? Uh, we went uh, around to some people we knew, mostly family. Just went stop by house, five or six houses, not too much. Yeah, we got out a little bit. So I drove for like uh, two hours, but basically all in total with the infant. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was poorly planned, but uh, <laughs> it, it's good. It, it happens. Yeah. I mean, you, you live down in Apollo, right? Like, I mean, you're pretty well far away from anyone else in your family. No, uh, we live down in uh, just a little bit north of Sarasota. Okay. So uh, everybody's around, but it still takes like uh, we're out east of 75. So we have family that lives west. So it takes about 30 minutes to get to everybody just about. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of bounced around the map, made a big loop, spent more time in the car than we did out. So that was that was, <laughs> that was a really good idea. Really popular. <laughs> Steve, what about yourself? How was your weekend? How was your bye week? It was it was a nice relaxing bye week. You know, not didn't have to worry about any stressors of football or anything like that. Uh, Jags were on a bye week too, so it was the best of both worlds for me. I didn't have to get disappointed twice in the same weekend. Just uh, hung out with a, a few of my buddies. I I had a a rockin' costume, no pun intended. It was a big hit on social media, big hit at the five people that I was hanging out with as well. So, uh, my mustache prevailed Freddie Mercury. It was a, it was a good choice. Um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a nice little bye week Didn't have to, didn't have to worry about too much, which is always nice. Absolutely. Glad to hear it. You, you did look uh, pretty, pretty good in that costume. I'll, I, I will be uh, sure to say. Throwing that costume together was the biggest adventure of my life. I had to go to four different stores to get basically each piece of the costume, uh, the jeans that I found, you, you can't find like acid watch jeans anymore that are men's. So, um, shout out target mom jeans, very comfortable, very slimming, <laughs> uh, made, made my butt look fantastic. Uh, the wife beater, I bought that while I was also buying like the hair gel to get my hair to slick back. Um, not a great look, not a great combination of things to buy. Yeah. It's just all in all. I, I felt very weird buying things this weekend. Vito, what'd you do? Much of the same. Watch some football. Uh, we did end up on Halloween going to a drive-in at Armature Works. They have a big old inflatable kind of drive-in uh, screen. And we watched Halloween, which is always a nice, fun slasher film to watch. Um, they deliver food to an up tent where you can go pick up and go back to your car. So 
we just hung out in the car, had some drinks, had some food, and uh, it was nice being outside, some better weather. Um, everyone was having a good time, being being nice and socially distanced, but nice to still get to dress up and go out and do Halloween and have some semblance of normalcy there. So that was a nice, relaxing weekend for sure. Nice. Uh, you know what? I don't think I've ever actually seen all, Halloween all the way through. It's it's a fairly fa- quick movie, and um, it's got some jump scares, but just a classic slasher. I mean, it's it's just one of those... Michael Myers just right. uh, uh, su- such a um, iconic character, so it's kind of na- nice to see that original one and all the other ones or whatever. But like that's just a classic movie, and it's like pretty much in and out. Ninety minutes is pretty quick. Yeah, it's not too bad. We'll say the, my family. Uh, we went as uh, the Adams family. I was Gomez. My wife was Morticia, and then Olivia was Wednesday Adams, and she loved it. She had the makeup on, and uh, I think she wanted to, she wanted to sleep in her Wednesday costume. Uh, for so- she's not going to the wedding this weekend, so she has soccer on Saturday. And the, the coaches be like, "Hey, yeah, if you if your kids want to dress up in their costumes for soccer, go right ahead." And I think Olivia's really gung ho about it. But I don't know if uh, wearing basically a black uh, velvet dress in the Florida heat uh, at you know ten o'clock in the morning is the best idea to go play soccer. In, but we'll see. I mean, her choices, right? So live and you learn. All right, guys. Enough tomfoolery, enough, just enough. It was a chaotic bye week for the Bulls, uh, to, to say the least. Um, I think where we, we last left off on the Facebook Live on Friday night, uh, Nick Roberts, I think, was uh, still walking uh, back to USF from the stadium. He quit team, got dismissed, mutually decided to part ways. Nick Roberts, a, a basically a three-year starter, uh, almost 30 career starts for the Bulls, gone, no longer there. And, you know, we, we've had our fair share of jokes at his expense uh, of missing tackles, being out of place. But it, it, it's an interesting dichotomy uh, uh, showing that, you know, starters are not safe if they don't act right under Jeff Scott. And I think that's kind of what we learned this week. I think I think a lot of the players learned this week that uh, Jeff Scott is not messing around. Uh, if if you don't react the right way to being benched, pulled, what have you, you're you're not long for this world at USF. Seth, as a as a former player, it seemed like Nick didn't really react uh, well. How, how do you you know former player, former coach? How how do you kind of respond? You know both sides to that. How do how do you try to balance the the passion and also you know getting your point across that this this is not going to fly anymore uh you know there's there's sometimes stuff happens in the heat of the moment you'll see coaches um and players you know speaking excitedly to each other maybe screaming at each other uh it happens every now and then uh i wasn't a guy that was a big screamer as a player or a coach it may shock you all to hear that but so I didn't really experience that too much, but if, if there was emotions running high and things like that, that's when you have your meeting later on and go through things where you've all been given a chance to calm down, get, maybe gather all the facts of your Jeff Scott because he didn't see what happened. And then that's, I think, where the decision gets made in the meeting. How does the player respond, you know, when it's not an emotional time, when they've had time to sit and think about it and you've had time to gather the the facts and you say, okay, this is how we want to do it. This is what we're going to do here. If they're still fighting you or hesitant, then that's when it's time to, all right, maybe it's best if we part ways. Um, but on the field, emotions happen. I think you'll see a lot of times that it happens even when you're winning. Just guys can, emotions can run high on the sidelines. The camera doesn't always pick it up. But once it, if you're still getting the same response after you've been given time to calm down and days even, that's when I think, um, changes have to be made. And it seemed like Jeff Scott had that conversation with Nick on, on, on last Monday and it, it didn't really uh, go well from, from that perspective. And it, it's tough. You know, I know Johnny Ford, Dwayne Boyles uh, both spoke out publicly uh, about how, you know, the coaching staff did him wrong. I believe where some of the, the you know, some of the things that they said uh, publicly on Instagram, Twitter, and, and it's tough. It, you can't you can't play as poorly as you have been and then and then react as badly as you did when you finally get benched and 
I think that's something that Nick's going to have to learn. I think these players are going to have to learn that, that no position is safe uh, on this on this roster. Uh, Steve, your thoughts on on what went down last week and how uh, Jeff Scott uh, kind of handled things? I um, I'm not surprised. I guess is the best way to put it that it happened. Um, I think with any new coach that comes in, um, obviously there's a little bit of of butting heads between, you know, previous staff's kids versus the current staff and everything like that. So I, I don't think it was necessarily a surprise that this happened. Um, and I think under a normal season, I think some of this might've happened this past summer. Um, if you had a full spring, if you had a full slate of summer workouts and everything like that, um, and just got, you know, got a good look at everyone throughout for six months, you know, this decision doesn't come with four games left in the se- season. Um, you know, this, this decision might happen before the season, um, where, you know, players realize, you know, I'm, I'm not on the depth chart, like I thought it was going to be, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, and then to that point, I, I think we're going to start seeing a few more kids transfer out. You know, some of these kids might be starters like Nick Roberts were. some of these kids are going to be, you know, guys that kind of rode the depth chart, uh, rode, rode the bench for a little while and might've gotten in on a staff or two. So I wouldn't necessarily call this anything that I would say a surprise. I I think in the wise words of our great former head coach Charlie Strong, uh, this progress or this program did need a little bit of a washing. Um, I think there were some guys who were not gonna they weren't gonna buy in. They were there to you know be present on 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 game day, and that was about it. So I think this is a long time coming. I think it's going to be good for us in the long run, but I, I don't think this is any cause for concern. Uh, I don't think that you know, it's going to be a red giant red flag of, you know, panic button or anything. I think that I wish this would have happened earlier, but it is what it is, especially right now with everything going on. Yep, absolutely. And it's just, it's so strange. And I don't know, this, this seemed like normal to me, but what doesn't, what didn't really sit right with me is, uh, you know, I want to kind of move on to the quarterbacks here. Jordan McLeod pulled after seven, what three series the first quarter after basically getting this the reps for two weeks and he gets pulled i don't i don't understand it um i mean clearly he didn't it, maybe he didn't have it um i know he, he did short on short arm a couple of those throws but it just seems strange for the guy to get all of the reps for two weeks basically lead your team back you know against temple the week prior and then you 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 know bench him after six throws and then have another QB uh, Russian roulette and here we are back to square one as Jeff Scott said. How how do we go from here, guys? How I mean we're what six games into the season uh, with four games left and we still don't have a quarterback for this year. What's the recourse the last four four weeks? What do you guys want to see from the quarterback position? Let's start with uh, Steve here. Noah Johnson just let him play you know the rest of his senior year. His last year playing football most likely. I don't foresee him being one of the guys that comes back um, with the extended eligibility. I think he might just, you know, call his own number and, and say, you know, that he, he, he played his final year in front of his home crowd. I, I doubt that he's going to come back, but I, I think at this point, you know, I, I don't think it, especially if you're pulling Jordan in game six um, like that, I, I think that's kind of telling of what the coaching staff's expectations are and, and what they want. So I, I think you might as well just, and clearly no one, none of the other quarterbacks have been able to pull ahead here in practice or anything like that. Um, given Cade Fortin isn't healthy, uh, neither was Travis Marsh. So you're kind of looking like, all right, no, but just give us, give us what you got these last couple games of the year. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll basically salvage what we can. I think next year, especially with the full off season, like I've been saying, a full off season under the belt, a full off season where these guys can learn the offenses and, and get a good understanding and a good cadence with the wide receivers and the coaching staff and the offensive linemen and everything. I think that's when you're going to see a true QB one step up and, and start the entire season. Uh, this seemed very hastily put together. And again, I don't think Jordan was the guy from the get go. He kind of got the benefit of the doubt because he had the most familiarity with the offense and the program already. But, you know, I think the rest of the season, fuck it. See what happens. Seth, what about yourself? Uh yeah, I know I'd rather, you know, just play one of the play one of the younger guys and just get them give them a whole game. I mean, or or just pick somebody and go with it for a whole game. Don't play the musical chairs. Um if you want to go with Travis Marsh, give him the entire game. 
at this at this point, does it matter? No. Um, if Thornton comes back healthy, I'd like to see him get more opportunity. If you want to go back to McLeod, give him the full game. You know, it's just I think you got to stop, especially if you're at this point where you're talking in your press conference about wanting to play a lot younger players, see what they've got, then put them out there and let him let him go, let him get the experience. So. Um, you know, before the season, I thought the number one goal should be defined if you have a quarterback on campus. And as of right now, I still don't think they know. So these last four games, you got to give those guys as much opportunity to show you whether or not you have a guy that you can win with on campus. And if that means giving a, maybe getting beat down for a couple games, I mean, it's already happened anyway. So what's the difference now? I think you, you got to try to get these young guys reps and see what you got going into the off season to see if you need to go out and get another quarterback. Yeah. I know, you know, hindsight being, you know, what it is and being 2020, do you think it was a bit of a fool's errand for Jeff Scott to say, Hey, we we're going to, we're going to need to know our quarterback, you know, by the first conference game. Was that, did that just seem, you know, like, yeah, this is what it's always been for us at Clemson. This is what works. Did it seem kind of foolish to to have a firm place, you know, firm goal in mind of this because of uh, COVID, because the quarterbacks on the roster may not be that good, and having uh, you know, Travis Marsh being a freshman, not getting a, a full, you know, fall camp summer to really work with this uh, staff. I think it could. It could. I mean, it could have just been like a. And obviously it was. It's an artificial timeline, maybe to create pressure and create create a sense of urgency, maybe up the competition a little bit. And also gives the coaches a deadline to try not to let it linger. You know, all right, we said well, we're gonna try to do it by the first game. You know, let's let's not if it, if one guy pulls ahead, let's go with it. Instead of letting it linger throughout the whole year. And now they're back to that. So I don't know. I think it, it's obviously you say it, you're hoping it comes true. But it's kind of like a like a, an empty threat you make as a parent sometimes, where you know if you don't come here, you know we're not doing this tomorrow. But you know you got to do that tomorrow anyways. So you're just hoping that maybe they'll come. That maybe they'll come to you. You know, you've already paid for the ticket. You, 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 <laughs> yeah. you're you're set. You have to go. We're not going tomorrow, right? If you don't come here, and then if they don't come here, you're like, all right, well, we're still going. But it's it's kind of like that. I think it's more like an idle parental threat. All right, we're picking a starter by the fourth game. Or that it's like they weren't going to play the fifth game, so you know it's, you're, right. you're just hope. I think you're just hoping maybe that injects a little more into the competition, and then that's your ideal scenario. But uh, you know, just didn't work out. And I I, just, I don't see how things changed the last four games. You're going up against Memphis this week, who have been up and down to put nicely defensively, and you're going to have to go point for point with this team, and you still don't have a quarterback. I think. Kate Fortin probably showed more than any – probably she showed more than he probably had in practice for the first few weeks before he got hurt, whatever happened with him. And then he gets he gets hurt, and, and Noah Johnson, uh, you know, vultures his touchdown uh, – of his touchdown drive. So it's it's tough. It, we don't think Kate, Kate's not going to be available this week. He may be available, uh, you know, in a couple weeks. Maybe we see him against UCF or – or Navy back at home, but it's going to be tough to kind of figure out. I think, I think he may have been the best option. You know, Seth, I think you, you kind of pointed that out uh, the entire season. And he just, (laughs) there are circumstances beyond his control that uh, just could not let him get onto the field. And I I don't know the way they've handled the quarterback position. I don't know if it's just out of necessity. It just seemed, strange to me this first year just how quickly they they pulled the plug on Jordan McLeod after after the Temple game just it didn't really sit with me and I I assume it's probably gonna be Noah this week by all accounts just because of I mean he, he got the most run he he showed some stuff I think he finished like 16 and 22 or something like that versus Tulsa so should be him I do we expect anything different from the offense that he can provide? I know there was still a lot of short throws because he can't really throw the ball that well anyway, but uh, what should we expect from this USF offense? 
I mean, I think you'd see more design quarterback run stuff if he's going to be the guy and he's the guy heading into the game. And that's kind of really – that's what I'd like to see. The rest of these – there's four games left, right? Name a starting quarterback for the game, game plan for them, give them the game to play. So if, if it's Noah Johnson, game plan for his strengths. you got to buy a week. His strengths are probably running the ball a little bit more, uh, using that to give you – Better coverage on the outside if you got to commit more, more guys to stop the run. Use the quarterback run game. Go to empty. Even up numbers in the box. Make it easy on yourself. Make it easy on the offensive line. So that's what I, that's kind of what I want to see throughout the rest of the year is if, if, okay, if it's Noah Johnson this week, game plan for him. Accentuate his strengths. Don't just kind of throw out the, you know, this is, you know, what we're, you know, this is our base stuff. Really game plan to his strengths. And then if next week it's McLeod, Game plan to his strengths, like it's, I think he did in Temple, right? And then if you want to throw Travis Marsh in there, all right, let's get just let's get him all the reps as the one. So um, I would imagine that's what they're doing. So I'd imagine you'll see more design quarterback run, uh, maybe some play action stuff off that, and um, RPO stuff and that kind of stuff. I think that's their base stuff, but maybe just a little bit more design run for him, and maybe some more motion with like jet sweep and stuff like that to. Give, let him give it, let him fake and keep it. So maybe maybe some more of that kind of stuff too. And Jeff Scott said this week we're going to see a lot more of the younger guys, right? Uh, Brian Batie, who's got a, he got a few carries in the first uh, first game, hasn't really gotten much run since then. I think we'll see more of him. Get as many playmakers on the field as you can. I think Mario Dollison and Latrell Williams should never leave the field ever unless they have lost a leg. Um, I think those are your two guys at wide receiver going forward. Get Kelly Joyner, Johnny Ford. See what Brian Batik can do. Try to figure out this offensive scheme with the skill players that you have. It, although it's limited, you, you've got to figure it out. And maybe running, you know, a couple diamond set formations from the backfield, you know, with try to modify, you know, pistol, triple option, do something to – Gain some confidence for this offense. Let the offensive line who struggled in pass protection hit go hit someone. It, you got to figure something out here going going forward. Steve, what what have you seen? What have you heard? Uh, you know, some scuttlebutt over the last couple of weeks uh, of you know the, the overall feeling of the team. Uh, how recruits have kind of handled the last couple of weeks. I know you you uh, Nick and Seth had a, a great podcast last week. Uh, regarding some of the, the recruiting. How, how has that kind of shaped out uh, the last few weeks with how poorly this season has gone? Yeah, I, I think from the recruiting side of things, obviously nothing really has changed. Um, for those that didn't listen to that podcast, um, you know, go ahead and give it a listen. But to, to give you this short and skinny, um, basically the, the class is essentially finalized at this point. I don't foresee them taking another person in this class. They're already looking ahead to the class of 2022. And barring any very last minute flips uh, or decommits, this class scene is very solid and, and they seem like they're all going to sign on nationals or on early signing day. I, um, I think they're all basically jumping at the bit to get on campus because they can play right away. And that's kind of the unfortunate nature of the team is you have guy, you have true freshman defensive linemen, true freshman um, linebackers, defensive backs that can come in and, and start right away for the team next year and, and get those early reps that they're all longing for. Um, it doesn't seem like any of them are deterred about the record or anything like that. Um, in fact, most of them are, are embracing the challenge of this. Um, you know, I, I keep, uh, most of them are following me and most of them are responding to my negative tweets about USF saying like, Hey, this, this is going to change. Like I, I tweeted that, you know, USF, USF's defensive line wasn't getting any pressure on Tulsa and all of a sudden uh, Desmond Mamoudi is in my <laughs> is in my reply saying this is going to change so I, I think those guys are confident and I think the team for the guys that are buying in on the roster right now um, obviously like I said there's going to be guys that transfer up but the guys that are bought in right now are buying in for the future and, and the longevity under this new coaching staff I, I think there was a little bit of butting heads uh, when when Nick Roberts was dismissed but I think that's any time what I would when these players are considering a friend gets dismissed from a team that you know they might dis might not disagree with, but you know ultimately that's the reality of it now. So I, I wouldn't worry about the morale of the team. Um, losses typically take a negative effect on them, anyways. So 
you know, there's going to be guys that are going to be upset on the field. There's going to be guys that are upset on social media, but I, I wouldn't take too much of what happens for the next four games with anything more than, you know, a grain of salt and saying, you know, put a bigger chip on that shoulder. So Steve, if you think the class is done, which I think seems to be right, is every, is every player that goes in the transfer portal, you think just opening up that scholarships being saved for a transfer? I hope <laughs> that's, that's kind of our biggest uh, mirage and, and curtain right now from the recruiting side of things is what's going to happen in for the transfer portal. Um, I think Jeff Scott before this season started kind of mentioned that he wasn't going to really be looking too much into the transfer portal uh, year in and year out, but I think extenuating circumstances have arrived and extenuating circumstances mean that things change. So I'd imagine they'd go after the transfer portal. Um, I, I have seen a large number of Tampa Bay kids announce their transfer from big 10 schools, uh, big 12 schools, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd imagine a few of them are going to want to come home. I imagine that they'd probably hit the Juco portal, uh, try to pull, you know, like a Blake green kind of pseudo someone who could just fill in right away. Um, but I, I think they'll, I think these guys that are transferring out, I think you're immediately going to see filled in by a transfer. I think USF isn't going to come into any scholarship issues when, it, when push comes to shove, you know, they might have a, a few extra guys on the roster, uh, in, in 2022, but that'll even itself out by the year after uh, with the way that I think Jeff Scott's trying to plan out this team. Yeah, well, I'd just like to point out that, once again, this year does not count. So everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Listen to Thank the you, ghost. omnipotent voice. <laughs> Listen to the ghost, folks. Uh, but no, I think I said this earlier on this year when you know things were kind of normal, that we are unfortunately going to benefit a little bit because we have so much talent from the Tampa Bay area that went elsewhere, maybe it didn't go as great as they thought it was going to. So they may just transfer back and that, that works in our favor. It's, it's, you know, it's not the way I would have had it, but I'll take it. Yep. I, uh, I agree with you, Senator. I think a lot of kids will transfer back. I know Chris Oladokin's uh, brother, Jordan has uh, decommitted from Iowa, I think three times at this point due to the cluster F in uh, Iowa. Uh, I think there was a guy from Central Michigan who entered the portal. Um, there's going to be a lot of Bay Area guys that are going to come back, and that's what happens, right? Talking to a former coach uh, uh, about this, a former USF coach, that they said the same thing. All these guys go to you know the Midwest, and then they you know December hits, and like, oh shit, this is way too cold for me. I'm coming home. And no, that is that's very much a thing because you know you're 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 raised in all the sunshine. You you complain about it being hot, you know, three hundred and sixty four and a half days a year. But you go and freeze your ass off for about six months, and you're like, okay, you know what? wasn't that bad? Yeah, and, and it's it, these. I mean, the the colleges know what they're doing. You know, you get them up there in September when it's not too bad for the visits, and then they they come back and they're on campus, and it you know late September, early October hits. And it's like, Oh, it's like 50 degrees already. That's oh, interesting. And oh shit. Like I can't this, get away with the hoodie anymore. <laughs> right. And then it's mid November and you're playing, you know, Wisconsin on the road and it's two degrees and you're getting molly by, you know, 300 pound offensive lineman. I mean, it's, it, it stings. When you get hit when it's cold like that, it is a world of difference. <laughs> And then you go back for your spring semester and, you know, mid, mid January. And then in February you go, what the heck is this? And it'll start warming up until what, May? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I was born and raised in Florida. I, I don't particularly care to wear shoes. So, you know, <laughs> when you got to uh, put on, you know, two, three layers of socks and some, some fucking Gore-Tex just to go to, you know, the store, that's uh that, that tax, it's, it's taxing. It weighs on you. That's when it would get me is in the off season. Like during the season, you're playing the game you love. It's probably nice football weather. You probably like the campus, but like when you're not, you're in your spring semester, you're not doing workouts every day. Even ahead of the spring game, it's like, okay, this is brutal. I think Vito is trying to implement football, college football snowbirds. <laughs> Can you do that? <laughs> Maybe. Online classes. You can do anything you want. Yeah, I think this is something that we've kind of harped on over the last couple of weeks is just the the dearth of talent from the the upperclassmen who've kind of 
gone through the USF uh, time warp here uh, of, you know, your five-year seniors, your four-year seniors. You know, the 2016 class has three guys left from that class, three of 16 uh, signees, Mike Hampton, Devontrez Dukes, and Michael Wiggs, all to varying degrees of success uh, here at USF. Uh, the 2017 class, your three of your top five guys are no longer here. Your top, the two remaining are offensive linemen and one's a backup. Your best defensive lineman is uh, in the portal. Your top two wide receivers are in the portal. You know, your the tight end that you signed opted out. Your second best defensive end uh, is a spot starter, maybe. I mean, it's it's been brutal here, folks. Uh, it, it's these are where you you find your your guys. You know, your you can't have this much attrition, right? And and expect to have any sort of success. And I mean, these guys weren't good to begin with. They weren't, you know, the the stalwarts. Uh, you know, from the 2014 class walking through that door in 2017, 2018, uh, and you're seeing the results of that. These guys just aren't good. You can't win. You can't win at this level without good upperclassmen, because this is a level where you're going to have to develop people. And if you're, you know, two two to three years behind in development on all your starters, that's not going to equal a successful formula because you're not getting those guys that can come in and play right away. Just because there's only about five or six schools in the country that do get those guys. Exactly, and then and you know, following up that 2018 class, Stacy Kirby. Your top signee, um, and I, I talked to uh, some people around the Florida State uh, program who followed recruiting uh, when Stacy flipped to USF. He was just, he was never going to play at Florida State. Like that was one of those things. And, you know, he was a toss up between UCF and USF, and he, he signed with USF. And I mean, if he wasn't going to play at Florida State and he's not playing at USF, what are we doing here if he's your top recruit? Zion Rowland transferred. Dwayne Boyles, he's been a great guy to have. Uh, these are, you know, your, Retro sophomore or true juniors here, your you know upperclassmen guys have been around. Sebastian Sanderling backup, Octavius Battle poor poor guy he transferred. Smoke Davis all right rotation guy, Rashawn Yates rotation guy. You got your starting center, uh, Juwan Cherry transferred, Trey Lang transferred, Jonathan Jennings uh, your left tackle up and down, Ethan Watson medical retirement, Brian Norris flipped and is backup linebacker now. Chris Carter's been at three different positions. John Waller has opted out. Tyron Barber's a rotation guy. Keon Helton may get more run with Nick Roberts gone. Johnny Ford's been your your star, and he was uh, you know he was an eighty two overall. Devin Lee Cock, uh, I don't think he ever made it to campus. Jordan McLeod, Terrence Horn would have had. I think he may have been a star prior to the ACL. Bowman uh, opted out. I mean Armand Williams uh, no longer here. Greer Antonio Greer, your your one of your best linebackers was a two-star guy. And it's like, you can't, you can't do this. You can't continually tr- hope you hit these diamonds in the rough. You need some of these guys, these guys who were in, I, I am sorry to say it, recruiting matters, stars matter. I promise you when you have more four and five star guys, you see the success. Ask Alabama. All right. You're replacing a five-star guy with a four-star guy. You're still going to get a drop-off, but you're not going to get the drop-off from a three, a high three to a low three. All right. You're, there's, there's a huge gulf between a high three where Stacey Kirby was rated. And, you know, if he went to the portal now, he'd probably be a low three, if not a two, just due to everything that has not happened for him here at USF. You can't continue to do that and, and expect to win. Just Scott's got whole mess of problems ahead of him uh, recruiting these next couple of years. It's not going to get fixed anytime soon, but without further ado, let's get into the Memphis game game here, guys. Memphis was fresh off getting just brutalized by Cincinnati, uh, 49 to 10. Cincinnati looks like, I think they played USF close or USF played them close. I think they got, they got right after that to, to say the least, uh, Cincinnati, I think, I think Desmond Ritter was like 21 of 25 for 300 yards, three touchdowns at one point during the game. It's just complete domination uh, by the Bearcats, a true college football playoff contender. And in comes Memphis, who still very good. They're off. 
don't be surprised that you know they only scored 10 points against uh, Cincinnati. This offense is still very, very good, averaging 33 points a game, which is almost double what USF is averaging. That's good. <laughs> Just depressing as I'll get out. And they have uh, 14th year uh, senior quarterback Brady White at the helm who in theory can come back next year if he wanted, which is just insane. Get a doctorate. Uh, get a second doctorate. <laughs> oh, he's um, already working on his first doctorate, yeah. <laughs> I think Brady's tied for the most wins uh, as a for a Memphis quarterback with 23 all-time. Um, and I believe Brady was a transfer from, like, Tennessee, right? I think Arizona State. Yeah, Arizona, yeah, State. Arizona State. Him and Blake Barnett were on the same team. Oh, Jesus. Blows my mind. Fucking kidding me. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! Okay, the guy Brady White took over for he was Riley Ferguson was the Tennessee guy, right? They get yes, dear Lord. I mean, can we just not with Arizona State from now on? Pretty please, sugar on top. <laughs> Why? What, what? Something happened? Did we get? No, nothing happened. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> We're just you know re- reminiscing with Herm Edwards at this point with Arizona State. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Pac-12 comes back this week, right? Yep. Oh, oh Jesus boy. Christ. That'll be, be a fun month. <laughs> they're playing, uh, <laughs> they're kicking off, they're playing some noon games, so they're playing some 9 a.m. games, so that, that's pretty <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, you heard about how bad the Pac-12 got shafted in this whole thing, like, they, they, they good, they deserve it. Or they did yeah, it themselves. Pac-12 is pulling a Big Ten where it's like, okay, we're only doing this so we can get Oregon in the playoff. Um, let's just everything else, just trying to you know trying to screw it up too bad. It's like well, the Big Ten is pretty much doing with Ohio State, except well, Wisconsin's screwing it up real bad. The Pac-12 has opted out of uh, winning a college football championship since 2004. This year is just they made it official before the season. <laughs> Jesus. And I hope the Pac-12 is uh, seeing what the big what's going on at the in the Big Ten with Wisconsin having to cancel another game this week. Uh, and think, is it even worth it this year, guy? Is it even worth it? Yes, because they're not they'll forget have to shutter some of those schools. I cannot imagine a punishment that is much worse than having to go to a 9 a.m. fucking Utah. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> terrible. That's pretty rough. I'm sure that crowd would be huge. They probably don't have any crowds actually. I imagine. Do any? Of the, are they allowed any crowds? Uh, they're except for the state. Yeah, I'm assuming the California schools aren't. Yeah, probably. I, Oregon, I would think Oregon, Washington, Utah is probably like, yeah, screw it, just go. Maybe Colorado. Maybe. Larry, Larry Scott, man, he, talk about a guy stealing money. <laughs> Finesse. <laughs> like Brock Osweiler has nothing on Larry Scott. <laughs> Right. Oh. You guys know Brock Osweiler or 6'9"? <laughs> is Brock Osweiler or 6'9"? I just want you to know that. Speaking Arizona State. Yeah, speaking of. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely. Arizona State yes. podcast. I mean, Super Bowl winner Nick Foles went to Arizona. That's all I got. Trump, yeah. daddy. Yeah, so Memphis 3-2. and two. They're still really good. Uh, Ryan Silverfield and Jeff Scott are actually really close. Uh, they talk almost weekly. I don't know what the connection is there. I think I think we talked to uh, Jeff Scott on Thursday, so uh, hopefully we get you know an answer to how in the world they're so close. Because I don't see any crossover from looking at uh, Ryan's uh, you know past history. He was never at Clemson. You know Jeff Scott has always been at Clemson outside of like the two years he was at that small school. I know Silverfield. Um, He's at the Bull School, so I don't know. Is there isn't there like a Bull School in Jacksonville or something like that? Yeah. So maybe recruiting. That's how they came into contact. I don't, I'll have to ask uh, Coach Scott about that. But Seth, outside of Brady White, who should USF just be absolutely pissing their pants about? And if you well, you they have, the entire offense. They have yeah, they have a variety of skill players that are. Uh, very explosive. So, I mean, it's really uh, any of them. It's not like uh, – there's no, like uh, – they have a tight end, number five. I haven't dug into them a lot yet, so I'm not sure names, but they have a tight end, number five. It's a freak of nature. And then they have a bunch of uh, fast guys that are receiving and rotate at running back. They don't have, you know, no Gainwell. Uh, Coxie just opted out as well. So they don't have that number one guy out there, but they have a lot of guys with speed. 
and they get them the ball in space and let them run. And uh, that's not a great recipe for the USF defense. Some numbers uh, for the Memphis offense. 17th in the country in yards per play, uh, taking out garbage time with 6.78 yards per play. To uh, For reference, USF set 4.37 yards a play, which is 97th. Available yards. So how many, what percentage of available yards do you pick up every drive? They are pick up 55.8%, which is 23rd in the country. So wherever they start their drive at, they'll on average pick up 55% of those available yards. So they started at their 25 and their 75 yards available, they pick up 55% on average. USF's at 33.8%, which is 95th. So really good offense coming in. Their defense is very bad though. So there's, you know, there's the rub. They're 90th in yards for play on defense, 91st in available yards on defense. So, so it looks like we're going, uh, you know, bad against bad and then good against uh, – Good against bad, yeah. Good against so, bad. <laughs> Something's yes. got to give. I assure you it's not going to be the Memphis defense versus the USF offense. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't this like the uh, – was it the, the – move or the uh, – what is it, the force that can't be reckoned with versus the immovable shitty object? And unfortunately, we're the immovable shitty object. <laughs> Senator, you absolutely. It's the very not. stoppable force and the very immovable object. Yes. Nailed it's it. a little spin on it. But USF got two weeks to prepare. Memphis did not. Yes. Okay. Well, shit. Well, <laughs> there's, you know what? there's the edge. There it is. Uh, Memphis, Memphis being uh, opening up as a 19 point favorite means nothing now because USF had the bye week. Nineteen. That is insane to me. Is it higher now, Vito? Oh no, I'm saying I'm saying bet that. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think it's it seven it's seventeen and a half on DraftKings. Uh well DraftKings doesn't know their ass from the real boat. If you wanna if you wanna if you wanna uh, <laughs> I think it opened sixteen, so it definitely went up. If you wanna get a proxy in Tennessee to bet for you. Would you touch this at twenty if you were getting twenty five, would you touch this game? I for you as for USF. I wouldn't bet hard, but I'd bet. Are you talking about the, would I pick would I would I pick would you, USF? Yeah, would you pick USF to cover if you were getting twenty five? Oh, probably not. If I maybe if I had to, if it was that, I would just totally I may just totally stay away. If I had to, maybe I just I think Memphis is probably going to score in the forties, high thirties. Is USF going to get in the twenties? If if I found twenty bucks on the ground, sure. <laughs> you bet ten. Last week's uh, last year's game is forty nine ten. Jesus uh, Christ! But Memphis is ranked seventeenth. So they were bad. really good. That game sucked so bad. I remember I was I was uh, covering the game, and my buddy, his wife, and a, another one of our friends who was in town from uh, out of, out of state uh, came to the game, and I was like, "Seth, you got this, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hang out for a minute." And I just, I, I think I watched like most of the third quarter. Uh, if not all of it, just in the stands, just like, what are we doing? Like, I think I saw like four plays in the third quarter, and I think there were like three picks. Like, it was, it was a complete abomination. Uh, For reference, Memphis is only a fourteen point favorite last year. I told I told my brother to bet his max bet on that, and he did. But, if I gave you thirty, would you take USF? Yeah, I think I would take, take USF. USF. Thir- Memphis defense is so bad. The yeah thirty, I think I'd take it. Okay. I would. I wouldn't bet the baby's formula money on it, but I'd take it. Steve, okay. that was actually after the two close losses back to back to Temple and Cincinnati, and then those- there you go. They they were like, USF's got the momentum. They're playing well. They might get hot against this really good team. Uh- USF's do. <laughs> you mean the the piss poor clock management by Charlie Strong in back to back games? Is that what you're talking about? Oh yeah. I mean, when you just look at the score, you go, oh wow, that's close. Yeah, just I mean, don't watch any of the highlights. <laughs> don't look at the box score. Don't just, look at anything else that happened that game. Just realize USF almost won. <laughs> don't look at the fact that USF was up 17-0 against Temple, had the ball with like a minute and a half left, two timeouts, and just sat on it. Don't think about that. And then they <laughs> didn't, didn't score happen. in the second half. Uh, or missing three field goals and then not using a timeout against Cincinnati whatsoever. Or was it Temple? I can't even remember. I mean, it's been... The missed field goals was Cincinnati... Again. The Temple game you're referring to is 2018, but still, same point. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> My Lord. It just, it, for, that just made it worse because it's like, oh, okay. We just extrapolated the Charlie Strong era. God, man, I am so terrified of this game. 
Oh no! This isn't even the game left that I'm most terrified for. I'm being terrified of the sun rising. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know what's going to happen. You know it's going to be. I'm only terrified about one game, and you know which one it is. Uh, This season's we didn't we didn't pull a donut, so I'm fine with it for the most part. I've been a USF fan longer than surprisingly anybody here. Jesus Christ, that's that's sad. But so I've seen it. I've seen it all, and. We didn't. We did, we're not gonna. We're not gonna pull a donut. We're fine. It's a, it's this year doesn't count. Thank God. And we're, you know it's a building year, and I'm just gonna keep telling myself that because they keep cashing my checks. So, boom. Yes. This is open to anyone. How does USF win this game? Meteor strike. Um, they have a similar performance to what um defensively to what they did to uh, Desmond Ritter. Uh, find this is the formula I've said every single week. It's it's find a way to make their star quarterback not be be like just average and not be fantastic like he normally is, and uh, and find some sort of consistency on offense and get really lucky, block a punt, return a kick for a touchdown, some sort of special teams contribution which has been improving. But all in all, it won't happen. So don't get your hopes up. If you if you win the turnover battle by like three and run for over two hundred and fifty yards, <laughs> then you then you got a shot. You gotta you gotta keep them off the you gotta keep their offense off the field as much as you can while also scoring. You can't just hold the ball for ten minutes, punt, and then let them score. So I think if you can run for like two fifty and then get a plus three in the turnover margin, that'll might be enough. I, you have to stop the self-inflicted wounds. I mean, what the quarterbacks fumble machines the past two games? It's it's brutal when you keep hurt, killing yourself like that. Let alone when you do it when you're in the red zone. Um, right. That would have to change. Long offensive drives that result in the touchdowns, keeping their offense off the field. I mean, if Noah Johnson comes in and there's not a lot of tape on him, and he's able to do some things that surprises all of us that we we haven't seen yet. You have guys making plays. That's really how it is. It's just. I don't. I, I just don't see how you can stop Memphis's offense. Cincinnati did it, but Cincinnati I mean, is very good. Cincinnati has an elite defense and game planned, and frankly, was also had had that game circled from the two losses they had last year. There was there was a lot going on with that game. Yeah. Have you guys seen? I mean, I'm sure everyone. Do you remember uh, the Madden 2004 cover with Michael Vick? Everyone, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how he's holding the ball? Yeah, that's how Noah Johnson runs with it. Just like very like out there. Noah Johnson needs to cut that out because he almost coughed it up against Temple and then Xavier Collins got him uh, in the Tulsa game in in the red zone, as we we just mentioned. Like you're getting your shot, man, and and you're very good running the ball, but you cannot have the ball out there like you're Michael Vick running around. I'm going to say, how does that not get corrected in high school? That's a a fundamental (laughs) – I mean, I, I don't know. I think he got away with it at the FCS level for the most part. And I, I don't know. Maybe that's what was holding him back in practice where USF is. You know, ball security is so huge. I mean, Jeff Scott, Charlie West Jr. have harped on ball security all year long. And when you get the takeoff like that as, a, as the quarterback and that's how you're holding the ball, you gotta make, you gotta be able to make better decisions. I mean, you, he fell forward for that first down against Temple, but my God, he almost he almost lost the ball there. And I worry that that's what's gonna hold this team back uh, with Noah Johnson. He may be able to make the you know the short intermediate throws like Jordan McLeod had been doing. Uh, I just don't think we're gonna get those those deep shots anymore. I mean, both guys can't really throw the ball deep anyway, so not pretty much a wash there. And I think. Jordan McLeod's fumbles were, I don't know, man. They, they were so strange. One, he was making a play and it just got popped out. Uh, and then a couple of, you know, you replaced your right tackle because of a because of one, a bad, you know, mesh point. But it's the, the mental errors of just not protecting the ball uh, when you're, you know, running is it kind of frustrating. So we'll see if that gets fixed. I think, Seth, you're right. You got to be plus three at least turnover margin and you got to be able to just run the ball down their throat with again use all your backs use them all you know get get leo parker involved as well see what you have that's that's what you're let's, let's have some funky some funky looks with noah johnson run 
right? He's he's kind of a specializing in the short passing game. He's passing game, kind of a ball control, short passing game. Run some option stuff with him. Get a bye week. Get creative. Hold the ball as much as you can, and that's that's your shot. But as, if you get if you have equal possessions to Memphis, you're not going to beat them. And it's so, probably not going to be close. That actually leads me to my question. What is the the record for the most amount of turnovers in your favor in a game that you still manage to lose? Because I've seen five, I've seen six, but I feel like we can break it. I really believe in us. I, th- I yeah, think that's yeah. possible. I think you can do it. I, th- I think this particular USF team could just do something stupid like that, where they they are they end up plus seven in the turnover battle, but still lose by twenty. Oh yeah, no. I, I, if you don't punch it in the you don't punch it in the end zone, that's just how it is. I mean, if you're getting a bunch of turnovers on your, you know, in the opponent's territory or on your side of the field, rather, and you can't move the ball. I think, I think points Florida, off of turnovers matter. I think Florida beat Kentucky in like 1993 and they threw seven interceptions. Good Lord. And, and they still beat Kentucky in like the last second uh, touchdown. That was- I always love looking some old stats like that when it's just like a guy does not have it, but by hell or high water, we're not pulling him. He's going to well, write the shit. Well, I think that, I think it was like, uh, that was uh, Warford and Dorian. It was Terry Dean threw like four picks and Warford came in and threw like three. Oh, boy. And then he hit Chris oh, Dorian, I think. I think, and I think he hit Chris Dorian on the post for a touchdown to end the game. I do but have I one think. question. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, but it was, it was seven picks, I'm pretty sure, and then they, they still won. I think that's the only one that springs to mind. I do have one question that came about when you were talking about create some creative plays. Uh, I know we're a little, it's just kind of on the other side, but it's like, if you look at it and say, Hey, look, we can run some really interesting option type things. We're going to do a lot of the run game. We're going to do something creative, but that's not really what we want to do for South Florida football moving forward. Would you cater a game plan just for this particular situation? Or is that one of those things where this isn't what we're trying to really train our guys to do. So that's not really worth doing. Yeah, I think, you know, there's two there's two ways to look at it. I know last year it was more of a, uh, the way they run the offense last year was more of a, all right, we're getting our base stuff installed so we know what we need to compete with this offense next year. So there's that way to look at it, right? Um, but then sometimes you run out of time. So, you know, it, I think if you're playing Noah Johnson, you're probably not looking towards next year. Right, because if, if you're, why wouldn't you play somebody else if that was your goal? So but it, it is a tough balance to strike. Of let's make sure we install wh- what we want to be going forward, get everyone comfortable with that. But I think if you're going to do that, you're going to play young guys and run that. If you're playing, you know, a senior that's a one-year transfer that maybe a one-and-done player, I'd imagine you're trying. You know, that's not that's not necessarily the goal. Is to just get the offense in. It's maybe to try to win. And if you're trying to win, then you need to do some different things. All right. Trying to win this year. I think they're just trying to figure shit out, to be perfectly honest with you. But I don't know. I'm so uh, unaccustomed to a, you know, talented, intelligent coaching staff. I, I, I'm i not sure what I'm looking at. That's, I think I agree. I think that's what they're trying to do is I think they're just more like, let's see what we got. But that's the only thing that strikes me as odd is, if that's what you're doing, then why play a senior one-year transfer quarterback? Why not play one of your young guys? Right. So USF has 18 first-time starters this year, nine on offense, eight on defense, five are freshmen, two sophomores, six transfers, and one former walk-on. They've had four first-time starters along the offensive line. So they've had, you know <laughs> – a senior, uh, Demontres Dukes, finally got his shot to start. You know, Dustin Hall, Demontre Jacobs, T. Marcellus, Josh Blanchard have all gotten starts along the offensive line. And, I mean, this is the time, right? This is – I would love to see this number be like 25 to 30 by the end of the year, maybe even more, just to see what you have. It doesn't really matter. Maybe, maybe figure out the next three games just so you can – be maybe a little competitive against your rival in the season finale. But these, I think these next three games figure out maybe who you have going into the UCF game and go from there. But what you're doing now is not going to work. And again, I think you just got to keep putting stuff on tape 
to show these recruits that we've, we've kind of harped on this all season, just put the stuff on tape. Like, Hey, I, I know you can make this play next year. Why don't you come here? I know you can make this play in two years, you know, recruit from 2022. Let's, let's figure out what we can do together to make this program better. Uh, because these guys that are here now are not going to get it done. I would be shocked maybe outside of Amari and Dawson or, maybe could Travis Marsh, maybe a couple other freshmen. I'd be shocked to see them be at the center of the turnaround when this team goes from being just God awful to being decent, to being good, good again in three to four years. I, I would be shocked to see if any of these guys are still around, if not key contributors with that, let's uh, let's get some predictions in here. It's been up and down. I think uh, Stieg, I think you're like one in, I think you're one in five true to life Stieg. I think as we call it one in five as we call it. So let's, uh, let's, let's start with uh, Seth here. I think, I think Seth has the best record overall. This, this Tulsa game, I think separated everyone from, from the men and the boys. I think, uh, I think I'm four and two Uh, Vito. I think, I think Vito's five and one as well. Seth, uh, man, that, that ECU game kind of, that still blows my mind. And then the, <laughs> now they played Tulsa, then I blew my mind too. I was like, they're going to get waxed. I don't know what to think about ECU. I still think it's terrible. All right, so I think I'm going to go, uh, if I'm going first here, I'll go, let's go 42 to 7. No, let's go 42 to 13, Memphis. All right, Vito. Um, let's go. Uh, the over under is sixty five. Oh wow! Whew. Oh, look at me. I um, uh, I'm gonna go Memphis. Memphis forty five. Uh, USF twenty. I think they'll get some. I I think I think that they'll be able to do some things that in that on that Memphis defense. But I mean, Memphis is going looking for a get back get right game, and I think this is the perfect time to do that but again i would love to be proven wrong i would love for this to be the complete opposite and be like florida state versus unc a couple weeks back but uh 45 20 is what i'm thinking senator i say it's gonna get weird i'm gonna say 43 to 17 all right my my turn um 56 to 3 memphis holy shit oh no yeah, it's gonna get bad. This I can't argue bad. with you, but goddamn, man, <laughs> that's you know, <laughs> as you mentioned, this is a get right game, and Brady White is gonna get real right against uh, this uh, secondary. I mean, uh, I, I, do, I do appreciate it's a, it's a noon game, so you, we can have most of our Saturdays back. Yeah, it's gonna be great. ESPN Plus. I'm so I'm gonna be in Savannah. I'm gonna be sightseeing before my brother's wedding. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh, mind those cobblestones. You will eat shit if you've had one too many. <laughs> mm, good call. I'll have to be careful. I, I don't think I can get drunk before. The, maybe. We'll see. I we'll see how my, we'll see how my brother's doing. You I've know? done it. I've seen you do it. It's possible. It, you, I, I, you never want to be drunker than uh, the groom at the wedding. Never want to be drunker but, than the priest at the wedding. <laughs> also that. Also that. And, and the priest is a Florida State fan, so he's been drinking heavily for sure. I don't know if he's a pretty just a, the efficient, I guess, is what you would call him. <laughs> oh, yeah. he's, just, he's just a guy at this point. <laughs> he's the efficient. This uh, fucking guy. <laughs> very nice guy. Uh though. So, um yeah, I just man, Brady White's gonna he's gonna have a day, man. USF can't oh man, I wanna I wanna look this stat up real real quick because it's been uh it's been embarrassing. Yeah, um, I, I mentioned the noon game to my significant other and they were like, Oh, so you'll be just in a Relatively shitty mood for most of Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> USF has uh, struggled to create sacks or tackles for losses. They're averaging 4.5 tackle for losses per game, and uh, which is 91st in the nation. And they're averaging half of a sack per game. They're averaging half a sack per game. Again, one half of one sack <laughs> per game, which is 99th in the nation. Uh, that is embarrassing. You're... Antonio Greer is your leading uh, sack sacker. Uh, the defensive line has been horrendous. Anthony fucking Russo looked like a goddamn pro against USF. Zach Smith, after he after he kind of settled down, I think like rattled off like eight straight passes. Uh, and I mean, he basically it basically made Nick Roberts quit. If we're being honest, that offense kind of. 
I still want to figure out who Nick Roberts was talking shit to because it was either the kicker or the long snapper. Still got to figure that out. Uh, my money's on the kicker. But, my God, uh, you, you, you can't let a guy like Brady White just have all day to throw. And that's what's going to happen on Saturday. It's going to be fantastic. This defense is going to get just abused all damn afternoon. 56-3, and I, I may be even underselling it because what the over-under was, what, 62? Is that what you said, Vito? Uh, 65. 65? 65. Oh, my God. I, I, I think I may be shorting Memphis a touchdown. Damn. Uh, yeah, with that, Stig, what you got? So um, I gave this a lot of thought in the bye week, especially with all the, the hoopla going around the program. I um, – I knew we were going to have some struggles in this bye week, but when you have two weeks to prepare for an opponent, that's typically a good thing, especially when Memphis is, you know, coming off a, a devastating loss like that. You know, I, I think they're in Brady White's head at this point. I think he's seeing ghosts. It, it's it, it, Halloween probably didn't do this guy right. I think he's a little messed up. And then, and then Ryan Silverfield, I mean, he's, he's a, what, what can I say about him? He's, he's a Mike Norvell disciple. He's going to be lemon booty. Um, he's going to, he's going to have a lemon booty game once a year. He didn't have it against UCF. He didn't have it against or Cincinnati because Cincinnati fucking ran them out of the building. It's going to be this game. This is the lemon booty game for Ryan Silverfield cement his status as the lemon booty university Memphis, uh, USF wins 56 to six. Uh, they missed the extra point for shame. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the confidence we all have. <laughs> Robert Stieg, life indeed. Oh, USF wins. I have to clarify that. Oh, sweet Lord. Well, Stieg, one of us is going to be right for sure this week. <laughs> one of us is hitting buddy. this. <laughs> and, sure you know what? Nate, I think we're going to know within the first two minutes of the game. Oh, for sure. I have a gut feeling right here. <laughs> And just real for quick, sure. those jerseys and those helmets, the best freaking thing they've had from Adidas this entire time. They were straight fire. I just wanted to say that. I don't think we said that last time. Oh, yeah, no, those were nice. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they look good. The team didn't. But yeah, no, the uniforms look great. If you can't play good, look good. Am I right, fellas? Courtesy of the Daily Stampede. I always thought it was uh, if you look good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. But... No, no, that's only that's only if you're Deion Sanders if that works. <laughs> well, shit. Oh Lord. Um, well, guys, I, I will be honest. This was a nice reprieve from um, doom scrolling uh, Twitter. What are you uh, talking about? Nothing's going on. Nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing. What, what are you talking about? No, we're fine. We're fine. U.S. is fine. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're heading toward a. a, a a winner probably in the next week. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll um, have a winner by the time the inauguration rolls around. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Flip a coin. <laughs> we'll definitely know by Christmas. You're going to have to wrestle for it, guys. I would pay to watch that. I would pay good money to watch that. Oh, man. Somebody's colostic bag is going to break. <laughs> You're going to have to oil up and get in the ring. I'm here for it. Uh, I, I think I would give the president uh, maybe the, the advantage just because he has the experience in the squared circle. Um, <laughs> I was going to say strictly weight advantage. It's totally got to be a money in the bank or uh, yeah, yeah, a money in the bank. <laughs> <A> cash. Yeah. <laughs> Where a someone's going to climb the ladder and grab <laughs> oh, The Lord. United States of America presented by the Payment <laughs> Federation. Oh my God. I would definitely watch that. For sure. I would have okay. You know what? I'd be okay with Stephanie McMahon for president. That's all I'm going to say. She's going to do a run-in. <laughs> <laughs> who, ha- who has the current uh, money in the bank? Have, have they cashed in? Maybe they ca- Maybe they come in. Uh, you know. The Miz? Is it the Miz? <laughs> I, Trumper, yeah, I think. Trumper Biden win and then they cash in. <laughs> the or it's oh, like the, the 24-7 title where R-Truth somehow has it like 200 <laughs> times. I am so upset that Gronk had it and he said he was going back to the NFL. He didn't just hold on to it because I was just totally hoping that in the middle of a game, someone would tackle him and then hit him and the ref would come down and do the one, two, three. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know. They gotta, if they have preseason next year, they got to pull that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that would have been a preseason bit if there was a preseason no. for sure. I'm just really JPP out of nowhere comes on the field and pins <laughs> Gronk. Oh, he's your two four seven champion. <laughs> Really excited about the prospect of Dink the Clown being the president of the United States of America. Uh, was was Dink? Was Dink the Clown? No, no, he had like a he had a friend that was like yeah, no, no, Doink was the tall one. Dink was the small. Yeah, one. yeah, there you go, vice president. Oh yeah. Well, I, I was going to go Secretary of the Interior, but he's already got his cabinet filled up. There's an Alabama Doink, a guy in Alabama that dresses up like Doink. Like you can buy the gimmick, I guess. Oh, man. Is it like Gallagher? What the fuck? <laughs> well, it's been like four doinks, I think. Alabama yeah. doink is something I don't ever, ever, ever want to see or participate in. Oh, my God. I, this believe, is... I haven't seen it, but I believe there's like a video of Alabama doink that's notorious for how terrible I'm not fucking Googling that. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is so you much want, more terrifying than I thought it was. Sure, you, yeah, you want to make sure you put wrestling after that. You know, I hope you're in uh, incognito mode, bud. Always <laughs> <laughs> forever. I'm on DuckDuckGo. What are you talking about? <laughs> And uh, nothing's getting past the Alabama doink, but sorry. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. As always, it's always enjoyable to uh, to talk some football. It's going to get better in like a year or so, so don't worry about it. Uh, don't worry about it now. Basketball is going to start soon. Super excited for that. Uh, thank you for listening. Continue to stay safe. Make smart choices. And uh, we'll we'll figure out the rest of the year as we go along four games left enjoy it we knew we were going to suck just enjoy the ride there's at least football for four more weeks this has been the blue Moody podcast go bulls go bulls go bulls go bulls go bulls, go bulls. <laughs> <laughs>